I'm Kayla Ogden, and this is Better for the Boy. Episode 5. This is really happening. I can't believe I've made it this far. Usually when I do a creative project, I would have just quit by now, gotten lazy, got excited about something new. But this has really been such an amazing experience for me. I'm just so glad that I started this and that, um, and to everyone who's given me any feedback at all, thank you so much for listening and thanks for engaging with me. And I'm going to keep this going. In episode three, I announced that I was going to only buy clothes at thrift stores as an easy way to decrease my carbon footprint and to get off the hedonic treadmill. The hedonic treadmill, as we've talked about, is how a person can make more money or acquire more things, but their expectations or desires always just rise in tandem. So money doesn't actually buy happiness. Durr. A heartbreaking example of this is Anthony Bourdain. He had the best job in the world and became fucking wealthy and powerful doing it. He didn't even have to eat like at bougie Michelin-starred places, slurping up apricots poached in basil syrup, which is actually a thing. Wasn't his just the best job? He would travel around and eat the best cheese steak sandwich in Pennsylvania or the best in-house made ramen noodles in San Francisco. And then he'd look at the person who made it and be like, yum. And then he'd look at the camera and be like, Yum, this is good. Okay, I'm heavily paraphrasing his beautiful life and legacy, but yeah, this guy was a super successful, fit white man who traveled the world chatting to locals and eating what the locals ate. And he hung himself in his five-star hotel room in Kaiserberg after a day of riding bikes and tasting sausage and sauerkraut and fans. Quote, Isn't it funny we can make a lot of money, buy a lot of things, just to feel a lot of ugly? Mac Miller. Within a certain income, the hedonic treadmill is true and makes sense. An obvious caveat to that is that many people in the world acquiring more money or more things would bring a new level of happiness and satisfaction to their lives. But studies have shown that an income of sixty dollars to $75,000 is enough to ensure emotional well-being for a person on the general day-to-day. But then when it comes to reflecting on their own life, usually they themselves would think that 95000 annual income would satisfy them. Either way, there's definitely a cap on the amount of money that affects your happiness, whether you behave as though that's true or not. It's part of the explanation for how I can go shopping, buy a bunch of shit I think I want from Zara, and then forget all about that stuff on the way home and return to the same level of happiness or ennui that I was experiencing before the purchase. Dukkha. The fundamental unsatisfactoriness of, of mundane life. This is true. I've known it's true for a long time. Most of us do. This knowledge in accompaniment with the vague ideas I had about the fashion industry, the ludicrous negative environmental impact and the human rights violations that fashion has, well, it seemed to make shopping at thrift stores for my clothes a no-brainer. And easy too, because I love thrift stores. So I wrote it down and I said it on the podcast before actually trying it or thinking it through very much at all. Turns out, getting all of your clothes at thrift stores is really hard, dude. And now, like, I have to actually do it. So let me think this through with you, kind of starting at the beginning. What is apparel for? Why do we wear clothes? A, to hide our genitals. 
or if you're Kim Kardashian, to show all of your genitals except for like 2% of your genitals that will get you banned from Instagram. Seriously though, we hide our pee-pees and wing-wangs from each other for some reason, that reason for which I am supremely grateful. I get squeaked out by the human body so easily. Like even if it's a hot dude, like on a Sunday morning, walking down the sidewalk towards Starbucks in sweatpants, and you can clearly see the outline of his ding-dong flipping and flopping back and forth from thigh to thigh faster than a strategic politician when she realizes she won't be the Democratic nominee, so will now need to switch her rhetoric in order to make vice president or secretary of state. I hate to see that barely concealed wang on God's restful morning flopping back and forth, or honestly, more commonly, forward and aft. So we wear clothes to cover our floppy things and pointy things and wet things and portals to the upside down. Oh, come on. You're telling me you didn't notice that the rift to the upside down in Stranger Things looks like a lava monster's giant vagina? B. We wear clothes to protect us from spiky bushes, hot sand, cold winds, and the like. C. We wear clothes to attract a mate, but with genitals concealed? What kind of topsy-turvy world are we living in? D. We wear clothes to send a message. Your clothes might say, Fuck the patriarchy. Actually, whatever message you want, you can even have it screen printed on your t-shirt. MAGA, M-A-G-A, which is Make America Great Again, stitched onto many a red baseball cap, which is actually a signal to many people that you don't understand what America used to be like. And you could benefit from two hands gripping your shoulders, shaking you forward and aft. The message may be more subtle. A business suit that says, I'm rich, professional. A sleeveless shirt that says, I go to the gym on weeknights and snort coke on weekends. A beard that says, I'm lazy but clever. Lazy because I don't shave. Clever because this beard is a kind of attractiveness loophole that, when paired with a plaid shirt, allows for slobs to look like lumberjacks and thus get laid. E. We wear clothes to express ourselves. Similar to D. F. We wear clothes to get what we want. Last week I went on a trip to visit my family in Canada. It's Thanksgiving in Canada, which is my favorite holiday. Sean was staying back in California, so I was traveling with my baby and no one to help. I knew it was going to be hella challenging. So I thought to myself, hey, I know. I should try to look beautiful so that people will help me. My boots had a bit of a wedge heel to them, which gave my yoga pant clad bum a little boost. I wore a casual, though low-cut tank top over a pink bra that said, hey, look at me. I'm a good person. Flouncy hair and a high ponytail, black painted eyelashes and rosy painted cheeks and lips. Perfect. I look kind of accidentally pretty. I think it might have worked. People helped me out everywhere I went. When Sawyer's shoe dropped off unnoticed, someone ran up to return it to me. A man made a break in front of him in the line he was standing in, motioned me over and said, hi, I think uh, with a baby you should be able to pre-board. Just go over there. Get in there. Then when I landed in Canada, it was fucking cold and I was walking through the parking lot to find my rental car. With one hand, I was pushing my stroller and with the other, I was pushing a cart with like a car seat and a pack and play and all sorts of baby paraphernalia piled on it. A cab driver got out of his car, leaving the door open, ran across the street to assist me and to walk all the way across the parking lot, pushing my cart. When we arrived at the car, I offered him five bucks and he said, no, 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 of course not. You buy something for the baby. And I was like, 
Wow, you're so kind. Maybe I should buy him a toque. And we laughed and laughed. And the baby was probably just thinking like, Mom, for fuck's sake, put me in the car. It's cold as balls out here. So maybe I looked great or maybe I was just, you know, in Canada. Gee, we wear clothes because they're aesthetically pleasing. H, we wear clothes to carry things. Think pockets. Okay, this list could go on for a while. I forget that I don't have to teach everyone the ABCs. Okay, let's stop at pockets. But which of these reasons justifies fueling the fast fashion industry? This week, I learned a bunch of crazy shit from this new book, Fashionopolis, The Price of Fast Fashion and the Future of Clothes by Dana Thomas. According to Dana, there have been three casualties of the fast fashion industry, which got started in the 80s. The first one would be labor in developed countries like America and the UK. Second one, human rights in developing nations. And the third one, you know, the earth. I'll focus on the last one here. So, in America, people buy five times more clothing than they did in 1980, about 68 garments per person per year. So, like, if your dad buys 15 garments a year, you can imagine how many your sister has to buy to create an average of 68. As a whole, the world's citizens acquire 80 billion apparel items every year. We don't need to wear that many things, but so much of it is so cheap and we're conditioned to feel like we need more, more, more. That's 62 million tons of clothing. I know these numbers are hard to imagine. There's 100 billion clothing items manufactured each year. Overseas in poor countries where the cost of labor is cheap, that's where they get made. Listen to this. 20% of that, 20% of the 100 billion goes unsold. And so it's buried, shredded, or burned. Burberry admitted to this in 2018. A new Burberry puffy jacket costs almost $2,000 USD, or no one wants it, so it's burned. The price of things is so fucking weird sometimes. So the fashion industry is responsible for 20% of all industrial water pollution annually. It releases 10% of all carbon emissions into the air, and it uses 25% of the chemicals produced worldwide, like one-fourth of the chemicals that we produce are to make our shitty, stupid, dumbass fucking clothes. When the USA isn't sending our used clothing as a donation to Africa, who doesn't even want it, they tried to start refusing all of this fucking used clothing, but then Trump threatened a fucking trade war, of course. So now they just keep on taking our discarded fast fashion clothes, and most of the time, they burn it over there. This is real. The rest of the clothes go to landfill over here, obviously. Like, where does that t-shirt go when it has a mustard saying you just stuff it in the garbage, right? You don't want to donate that. And sometimes you're just too lazy to donate it, even if it's in perfectly fine condition. You just stuff it in the trash so you can save time. Honestly, I've done this like a hundred times. And judging by the millions of tons of textiles sent to landfill each year in America, I'm not the only one. Most clothing contains synthetics, which aren't biodegradable. The fabrics that do break down contain chemicals that fuck up the soil and water table. The earth isn't infinite. We can't just keep stuffing more and more toxic shit into it like a dorm room garbage can during frosh week. I was preparing for my trip with the boy to visit Canada and um, it's pretty cold up there so I went out foraging for winter garb. For some people, I'm sure having two pairs of jeans and two pair of yoga pants would be a sufficient number of things to cover their ass. For me at this point, no, I need more pants to wear. As much as I love yoga pants, 
um, as was, I think, fully elaborated upon in episode one, I don't want to wear those all the fucking time. And pants are a tough thing to get at a thrift store. They just are. They're kind of hard to get anywhere. So I went to this place called Pick of the Litter in Burlingame, California as my first stop. I love this place. It's a one-off place, not a chain. The proceeds go to the Peninsula Humane Society and SBCA, a lovely organization that I adopted my cats from. I actually wrote a testimonial for their Facebook page once. Um, So after I had surprised my husband with these two little kittens, rescue kittens, um, the SBCA... SBCA asked me, like, do you want to write a success story? And I'm like, sure. So I took a photo of my hot-ass husband sitting on the couch with his dark, tousled hair and a slightly crooked smile on his pouty lips. Oh, and the two cats were on the couch in the photo, too. Um, I'll post it on the Instagram so you can see it. And then I wrote a testimonial, and it was kind of, like, flowery and feminine and full of kitty puns, you know, like... They found their forever home and they had their, they, they were best friends with each other now forever. Then there was the photo. So it kind of looked like Sean had written it and the dudes in the comments were like, hey, hit me up. Anyway, I love this little thrift store. I tried to put, um, I tried on more than 10 pairs of jeans and only one pair fit and like I thought it looked okay. I found some sweaters and tops. One of the blazers that I was trying on had a tag on it with the label Jack's Girlfriend. Like that was the name of the brand, Jack's Girlfriend. The blazer was really cute, but I was like, oh God, puke. Who came up with that branding, Jack's Girlfriend? First of all, no one is Jack's girlfriend. Jack has a girlfriend and her name is Jill. No one wants to be someone else's something. Was it Jack? Is Jack the creator of these clothes? He thinks every woman wants to look like they're his girlfriend? Oh, baby, buy this blazer. You're going to look like you're good enough to be my girl. Or was it Jack's girlfriend who made these clothes? She's like, I know all these bitches want to be good enough for Jack. It was probably Jack's mom. These are the type of clothes, darling, Jack's future girlfriend will wear. As soon as he breaks up with that slut Mackenzie. Later on at home, when I would try on the jeans again, I realized I was wearing Britney Spears' jeans from like 2001. Remember when Brittany and Christina and Lindsay and Paris were all wearing these flare jeans with like one inch zipper flies and the waistband was like a hair above their pubic bones? If Brittany was wearing those jeans and lying down and you pretended your fingers were little legs and the legs started at the button above the fly and you walked from the waistband up to her belly button, You'd be on like a long-ass Tolkien adventure. Your finger legs would travel through the valley in between her lower abs for like a fortnight. Looking left and right, you'd see the large mountain ranges of her hip bones in the distance on either side. Just keep going straight. You'll get there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't slip on the tanning oil. That was a close one. Oh, shit. Now look out for the loops and loops of gold with diamond charms and the ring through her navel piercing. Don't touch it. You might wake up Mother Earth. Okay, gingerly step alongside the belly button ring. And now finally, you finally, after many moons, you've made it to her belly button. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the jeans that I bought from Pick of the Litter were way too low rise. I don't have a tribal tramp stamp I'm looking to show off, okay? I don't need this shit. 
Delara and I have a disagreement about the low-rise jeans. I think they're gross. I always have, even when the thinnest, most beautiful women in the world are wearing them. Delara thinks they are unbelievably sexy, and she's pissed that they are out of style, and she says she can't even find low-rise bikini bottoms or underwear anymore. Forgive me if I don't wail along with your lament, Delara. I didn't have a lot of luck at Pick of the Litter this time. They had their 50% off first Friday's event the day before, so it just wasn't a good time. Then I crossed the street and found Goodwill. The brand gave me a bitter taste in my mouth because, I mean, I wasn't sure why. Um, I thought it had gotten some bad press or something. I thought I had heard that the CEO was making a shit ton of money, but I wasn't sure that that was a problem. A person works really hard, his ideas take off, and there's even a positive bottom line. I knew that Goodwill employed people who were maybe deemed unemployable for some reason. Maybe they had been incarcerated or something like that. Of course, people who have been locked up needed opportunities for gainful employment once they got out. So anyway, I walked over there. I remember the last time that I was at Goodwill. It was in Sarnia, Ontario, visiting Sean's folks. I was near the center of a long aisle, paging through hangers, earbuds in, listening to a podcast. Then I turned to walk out of the aisle to find a tall, faddish white guy in a red vest at the end of the aisle, pushing one of those long dust mops toward me, slowly. He had his chin tucked, eyeballs looking toward me through his brow, one hand on the mop handle, and the other one was bent and tucked behind his back, like a fucking nightmare. So I went my own way and I avoided him. Then, as I walked out of the store, I felt a presence, and I saw a long shadow sliding up the gravel next to my shoe. I whirled around to find him there. He walked up and right past me to a grassy area where he took the sleeve off the mop and banged it out violently against a big rock. This day, though, at Goodwill, looking through the clothes, I wondered, how do I know if I'm wearing something ironically? Do people still do that? Irony is when the opposite of what you expect to happen happens. Like it would be ironic if I spent the last half of the podcast trying to teach you how to manufacture clothes in Bangladesh on the cheap. This concept has always tripped me up, the irony one, like a word you can never spell even though it's relatively simple. I think it was that Alanis Morissette song called Ironic that listed a bunch of things that weren't ironic at all, but she was like singing like that they were. 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. Well, Alanis, just because you want a knife doesn't mean it's ironic that you can't find one in the spoon store. Or is Alanis really a genius prankster who named a song ironic that was full of unironic things? Like, is that ironic? Is it ironic after all? Actually, I think my generation of hipsters were wearing things ironically in this way. It was like a bunch of hot young people wearing the same slacks as their busted old grandpas. We were young and tech-savvy, but we wanted to write our short stories on our typewriters. We had contact lenses that could make our eyes appear any color that we wanted, but we needed to wear wire-rimmed spectacles to read our paperbacks. Now I think the trend has morphed into a type of absurdist fashion, like Billie Eilish in her matchy-matchy, bombastic, oversized college shirts and shorts, or those chunky dad sneakers that Instagram models wear. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll post it on the Facebook and Instagram. Anyways, here at Goodwill, I recognized one of the girls that was working. Last time I was here, months and months ago, I remember finding her really loud and rude and off-putting. Today, I saw this adorable teenage girl in checkered vans approach the red vest lady and say, Can I try these on? The red vest lady spins around to face the young customer. 
Van's girl takes a couple of tiny steps back and repeats, Can I please try these on? Red Vest, in a strong, booming voice, is like, Follow me. I'll show you to your changing room, okay? Follow me. I'm showing you where the changing room is. I'm going to unlock this for you, okay? But you need to show me that you only have five items to take in, okay? You have to let me count them now. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, good. You only have five. That's how many you're allowed to take, okay? And now, you can stay in there for longer than, you can't stay in there for any longer than 10 minutes, okay? You can't spend a long time in there because there are other people, okay? Then, when you are done, you have to put everything back on the hangers and place them back on this rack, okay? And the customer was so chill. She looked at the other young lady in the eyes and she just kept being like, okay, 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 oh, okay. Okay. Seeing this interchange, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely the same chick I've encountered here before. But then I was like, wait, maybe she has Asperger's or can't hear well, or maybe she just got out of like juvenile hall and this is her first time trying to do customer service or something. I realized that this woman was working her ass off and probably following protocol to a T. Walk the customer to the change room, explain the change room etiquette, and then get on with your job. The rest of the time I was there, I noticed her working really hard at a number of different tasks at speed with what looked like perfect precision, all the while hollering commands at coworkers and customers alike. I had more luck at Goodwill and ended like good, more luck at Goodwill than um, Pick of the Litter, and I ended up going home with an armload of nice warm clothes. I refused the plastic bag. Is this whole podcast just a giant brag? <laughs> Then I decided to see if there was any dirt to dig up on Goodwill. The criticism is that the CEO of Goodwill, Mark Curran, takes home a salary of $2.3 million a year while paying his underprivileged employees, sometimes employees with disabilities, um, often less than minimum wage and sometimes pennies per hour. But there is no Mark Curran. I mean, he's not the CEO of Goodwill and he never has been. There's... No Mark Curran affiliated with the organization at all. It was just this horrible email that was sent out with lies. It was widely circulated like 10 years ago, um, and it continues to color public opinion of Goodwill to this day. That's sad. Like I said, the Goodwill brand filled me with a bad vibe as I entered earlier, so... Goodwill is actually a nonprofit organization in which 87% of their revenue supports their critical community-based programs and services... They have a really nice calculator on their website where you can easily input the number and type of items that you're donating, like five sweaters, two purses, three pairs of shoes, etc. And then it gives you the numbers for the amount of potential dollars you could deduct from your taxes as the donation, the hours of programs and services your donation creates, and the amount of potential pounds of goods diverted from landfills. That's awesome. It's crazy how often just reading like a headline can inform your opinions that we have and that actually affect our actions, that we pass on and voice. Who has time to actually look into all this shit? Well, me now, I guess. So, um, Goodwill helps people who, you know, normally would have a hard time finding a job, people with disabilities, different kinds of things. Um, they help them earn a credential or degree, plan their career, create their resume, practice their job search and interview skills, get their finances in order. It connects them with transportation, childcare, professional clothes when they need them. 
Um, but just a note, all of this info was from the Goodwill's website, so it could be wrong. And when I went searching more in depth, like on the Wikipedia and on different articles, mostly from like six years ago uh, during some kind of scandal, um, I got so much conflicting information. It was really confusing. But I think that I'm going to continue to donate and shop at Goodwill. That's kind of the conclusion that I came to. Um, generally, I think that the CEO right now might make like $730,000 per year. That's like a hundred times less than CEOs, um, at comparable, like that work at comparable for profit clothing companies. And for me, that's fine. That's, that's a problem that nonprofits face. Actually, some of them are huge, complicated organization doing a shitload of good work with so like handling so much money, but how are they supposed to hire amazing qualified people to run the business if they can't offer competitive salaries? You know, like who's gonna, who's gonna run the show? Anyway, later I needed a broom and dustpan, not because I'm a stay-at-home mom. Even professional people should have that in their house. I was like, cool, I'll go to TJ Maxx. Not even considering that it would be the equivalent of an alcoholic walking up to an open bar at an awkward wedding. On my way to the home goods section, I passed what felt like miles of pretty clothes. One piece specifically beckoned to me. It was a long black and white Christian Siriano coat with a fine houndstooth pattern and a single button to cinch at the waist. Kayla, try me on. It'll feel amazing, I swear. I need warm clothes for Canada, I thought. With the baby strapped to my front in an ergonomic carrier, I trotted to the nearest full-length mirror. I slipped my arms through the sleeves just as I slipped Sawyer's every top on. Arms up! and he puts his little arms up. It fell perfectly on my shoulders. I could imagine it with all of my other clothes getting along famously. It could be dressy or casual. It was very easygoing. It was so me, like it expressed my true vibe and everyone would finally know how cool I am. I remembered my vow, like my vow to only shop at thrift thrift stores for clothes, and I shrugged it off my shoulders. I stuffed it in my basket. This requires more thought. Later at the checkout counter, a gorgeous Ariana Grande lookalike was ringing up my little broom and dustpan. I told her, actually, I don't want the coat. Sorry, I thought I did, but I don't. No prob, she said, gripping the coat roughly with her long green acrylic nails and throwing it into the counter behind her. As she finished scanning a few other items, I said, hey, hey, I'm, I'm going to get that coat. She was like, oh, okay. She stepped back, struggled with the electronic security tag, her pointed neon claws interfering with the process. She scanned it in, told me the total, and I said, actually, I'm sorry, I'm crazy. I don't want that coat. She was like, uh. And she took it out of the bag and placed it back on the counter, hating me hating that now she had to reattach that damn tag for this unstable woman. At home, I googled Christian sent Siriano to figure out if his clothing was somehow okay to buy. Like, maybe everything is made of hemp, and it's made by, like, well-paid adults. I couldn't find anything about his supply chain or anything that justified the purchase. If he were working sustainably and ethically, I thought I'd see some kind of press about it. 
I can't get too upset with other people for doing business the way that they know how to do business and be successful. I feel like I just woke up like two minutes ago. I can't spend 32 years with my head in the sand and then pop up like, what the fuck are you all sleeping for? I found this quilted bed pad thing that makes your mattress ever so slightly fluffier, eye roll, which Sean and I don't need anymore. It has some holes in it and it isn't in in like good enough shape to donate. So what do I do with this? There's no recycling program like for fabrics like this. I have to throw it in the landfill. It kind of broke my heart for a sec. Even when you're trying your best, you're still an asshole because the framework doesn't exist for responsibility. But I couldn't really bitch, you know? Have I invented a fabric recycling method? Have I designed the infrastructure and budgeted the cost? Have I even fucking voted? No. There's some excuses for why I haven't voted, but but it's true. Hey, I told you I was a shitty person at the beginning of this podcast. You can't give up on me now. I'm trying, okay? Later on that night, as I pulled my car out of the lot where I had parked during my second training session to become a court-appointed special advocate for abused and neglected children, I thought to myself, holy shit, I'm actually starting to resemble somebody who gives a fuck. And maybe one day, Sawyer will agree with the way I'm playing the game. Or maybe he won't, but either way, he'll know that I give a shit. And we'll have something decent to talk about. So I'm going to stop with that uh, thing I was doing where I did a definition at the end of the podcast. I think it was hokey, gimmicky, it didn't really make any sense, and I'm bored of it. So it's done. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. Um, This podcast has changed my life already, and I'm just so grateful to be able to to do it. Yeah, so, uh, right, thanks for listening, and um, I'll post again soon. Bye.